So I don't know whether any of you have ever had um, a favourite watch. Uh, for me, it's the Casio F91W. Right, I've had this um, for about seven years now, and it is to date my favourite watch. Um, matte black resin strap, water resistant up to 50 metres. It's got an alarm, a stopwatch, a torch, um, and best of all, it doesn't set off the alarm at airport security. What more do you want? It is unreal. I absolutely love it. And only 12.99 from Argos. And this, this one time I was in, I was in India and um, I, I saw the Casio, um, I saw it for 100 rupees, which is equivalent of about one pound. So um, I thought, that's going straight in my basket. So I bought it and, and I started wearing it, was delighted, and the next day it just conked out. I was absolutely gutted, as you can tell. You see, that, that one from India, that was a fake. But the, the Argos one, that is the real deal. That is the real deal. And, and Jesus, he calls for disciples, and he doesn't call for converts to Christianity. Disciples are the real deal. The word uh, Christian actually was only used three times in the New Testament, whereas the word disciple is used 268 times. And Jesus, he is calling for disciples. So the question today is, do you want to be the real deal? Do you want to be a disciple? I studied history at uni, and I'm just going to nerd out a bit on you in, in terms of the, the first century Jewish education system, because obviously that's what you want to hear. Uh, so here we go. This is, this is the, the Jews really valued scripture. It was right at the heart of their education system. And Jesus didn't invent a discipleship. Um, it had been around for a couple of hundred years before that. And it actually invented in Greece. Um, for example, Plato was the disciple of Socrates. And by Jesus' day, it was the apex of the education system. So phase one of, of the education system was something called Beit Sefer. So, come up on the screen. Um, it means house of the book. Okay, Beit Sefer. And basically, what you do is you would learn... Um, ages 6 to 12, you learn how to read, you learn how to write, um, simple maths, and you would also learn, you off by heart, the Torah, which was Genesis through to sort of Deuteronomy. So that much, learn off by heart by age 12, all right, which is incredible. And the best of the best would move on to what's called Beit Talmud, which is called the House of Learning. And that was ages 12 to 14, and what they would do is they would learn the entire Hebrew scriptures off by heart. Okay, so that is Genesis through to Malachi. All right, so kind of we're talking about that much of the Bible learned off by heart. I don't know what the, um, well, actually, I do know what the education's like at Moncton, but it's, it's different to that, I can tell you that. All right, I think probably by that age I'd learn about three verses. So um, this is amazing. And the, the absolute best of the best, the, the creme de la creme, they, they, kind of the Oxbridge students of the day, they would go on to what's called Talmudim, okay, which means better translated as disciple or apprentice. And what they would do is they would go to a rabbi who was kind of really respected teacher of the day, knew um, a lot of, that, that had their own interpretation of the scriptures, and they would have sort of like an Oxbridge-style interview, um, but probably in three times more depth. Um, and basically, if the rabbi thought they were good enough, after grilling them, would say something like, come and follow me. 
sound familiar? And that once, if say you made it, okay, you're, you're a disciple now of a rabbi, you had three goals. You had three goals. First goal, to be with your rabbi. So you would leave everything, you'd drop everything, and you would go and be with your rabbi 24-7. You'd stay with him, you'd eat with him, and you'd, you'd do everything with him. And, and there was a well-known expression of the day, may you, be, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. So that's like you'd follow your rabbi behind him to the next town, and you'd be, follow, and you'd be covered in dust, but also metaphorically, you'd be covered in the teaching of your rabbi. So that was goal one, be with your rabbi. Goal two, become like your rabbi. So you would, you would try and copy every move of your rabbi. You would try and to- copy like his tone of voice, and you'd learn his interpretation. There's even stories of, of some disciples following their rabbi into the loo to just see how they, um, they do it, which I think is a bit o- OTT, if you ask me. But, um, but you see, they, they really wanted to be like their rabbi. And after a couple of years, um, their, th- their final goal was to do what their rabbi did. And after a few years, if the rabbi thought their disciple was ready, would say, all right, kid, Go and make disciples of your own. So Jesus was a rabbi. He was called it over 60 times in the, in the New Testament. And he is not looking for converts. He is looking for disciples. And he's looking for them now. So I think we should, we should ask ourselves now, are we, are we converts or are we disciples? And I'm going to pick up on these three themes as we look at our passage today. So if we look at verses 37 to 39, we see Jesus' first invitation to the disciples. And so Jesus, um, he turned to them and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and they stayed with him. And these two guys were asking him, they asked him, where are you staying? So that word in Greek is, is translated meno, and it's be, it, it better means remain or abide. So they're asking him, where are you abiding? And he says, come and you will see. And that word see means not just to look, but to spiritually see, to experience. So, so Jesus is inviting them to come and see where he is abiding and to experience where he is abiding. So where is Jesus abiding? Jesus is abiding. We, we get a bit of a clue in the, the baptism of Jesus beforehand. Um, so all the other Gospels, all, all the Gospels say that the Spirit descended on Jesus, but it's only John's Gospel that says the Spirit descended and remained. And that word remained is that same word, abide. So the Spirit was abiding with Jesus. And we really clearly see at the baptism, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Spirit abiding together, remaining together in this loving community. So, so Jesus is asking these two disciples to come and see where he is abiding and, to come and inviting them to come in to that community of love. And this is exactly what happens if we look at the next slide. It says, So he said, come and you will see. And they came and they stayed with him. That word again, they stayed with him. 
And one of the two disciples who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. So after just one day of abiding with Jesus, Andrew goes from calling him rabbi to calling him the Messiah. So Andrew had a revelation of who Jesus was. And and God's greatest desire has always been to dwell with us, to dwell with humans. If we look back all the way to Genesis, we see God walking with Adam in the garden. We see him asking the, the Israelites to set up a tabernacle so that he can dwell with them. And then the temple. And then he sent his son Jesus to be with us. And then sends the Holy Spirit to be with us. You just see it over and over. And then in, it says in Revelation, in, in, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And the dwelling place of God will be with man and he will dwell with them. So Jesus wants us to come and to be with him, to abide with him and to experience being caught up in that loving community, which is the Trinity. So be with Jesus, first point of a disciple. Second point, become like Jesus. I don't know whether any of you have ever noticed um, that when you spend too much time with someone, uh, you, they start to rub off on you. You start to have the same little phrases and things like that. For me, it's, it's slightly scary. I'm starting to sound more and more like my dad um, every, every day. And he's got this expression. He would say, whenever anything happened, he'd say, flipping Nora. Right. And now I, I find myself saying flipping Nora. It's kind of like Christian swearing, really, isn't it? I don't, but I'm sorry if it, I offended anyone out there, but... But yeah, so I'm starting to, my dad's starting to rub off on me. Um, and it's like that. When, when, we, when we spend time with Jesus, when we abide with him, we're gradually transformed to look like him. We start to have the same mannerisms and things like that. So first point, be with Jesus. Second point, become like Jesus. Third point, do what he did. And Jesus, he wasn't just an ordinary rabbi. He was the son of God and the Messiah. And his work was not just to teach the scriptures, but to actually usher in the kingdom of God. And I've just made a little short list of the type of things that Jesus did. Um, He did preaching, teaching, praying, eating and drinking with people. He did community with people, healed the sick, casted out demons, um, raised the dead, engaged in social justice, challenged religious and political injustice, and so much more. And we're, we're called to do the same. We're called to do the same. And you see him in this passage operating in some of the spiritual gifts. In verse 42, um, Jesus calls Simon Peter. And he, he called him Peter, which means rock, because that was in line with what his calling was to going, going to be, which was that he would be the rock in which Jesus built his church. So he's prophesying over him that he will be the rock. He will be Peter. And we also see in the second story we put it up, it says, um, Jesus, um, he'd never met Nathaniel yet, he said, he prophesies over him that he is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And he speaks a supernatural word of knowledge to him. Even though he'd never met him before, he said, I saw you under the fig tree. Okay. And that was obviously what Nathaniel had been doing because it was the key to him realizing who he was. And we, and we can actually engage in these spiritual gifts as well. They're incredibly powerful tools. A, couple of, a few weeks ago, I went to Northern California 
um, to a church called Bethel. And after one of the services, um, this amazing, amazing uh, South African lady called uh, Jess, um, she prayed, prayed over me and prophesied over me. And she, she spoke words of knowledge to me. And she said um, she saw me um, in a school. She saw me um, working with young people. She saw me going into ministry, which is kind of like it was blowing my mind. And then she, she prophesied over me that I would see... She asked me if, I'd, if I pray for healing for people, which is what I try and do. Um, and she prophesied that I would see more of that outside the church, particularly. And that is something I found so encouraging, both those words of knowledge about what I'd been doing, but also the prophesying about you know, me stepping into greater depth in praying for healing, things like that, uh, which was so encouraging. And we can do the same. And the mind-blowing thing of this whole passage and of this is that Jesus says, you will do greater things. John 14 verse 12 says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works he will do. So Jesus is not only calling us to come to be with him, to become like him and to do what he did. He's actually saying, you will do greater things than than me. So like how many of us at the end of our lives, realistically, how, how amazing would it be to say at the end of our lives, I, I actually did greater things than Jesus? It, honestly, it, it's, it's slightly laughable, but that's what he's calling us to. That's what he's calling us to. It's, it's crazy. So what does it actually mean for us today in 21st century, coomed down right, in Moncton, to be Jesus's apprentice to be his disciple. We have to reorder our lives around those three goals. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. And how do we do that? How do we, we, we be with Jesus when he is not standing right there in front of us? The Bible says that when, when we accept Jesus into our life, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. John 14 says, These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So we get the Holy Spirit. And if we're serious about being Jesus' disciples, we need to be intentional with our time and with our lives. So at university, I, I did rowing. Um, I'm quite tall, so it kind of makes sense. And I, I started off, it started off quite, ch- quite chill. And then as it, as it got, like, got more into it, I would end up spending more and more time. I had to make changes to my schedule. I uh, started making social sacrifices. I had to do early mornings, changes, changes in my diet, things like that. And I put things in place which led to my improvement in rowing. And probably at the height of my training, I, uh, I, I probably wouldn't go, about, wouldn't go 30 minutes without thinking of rowing, which I know is just absolutely incredibly lame. But that is true. It's true. And actually, now I, I want that to be the case for me with Jesus. So I'm, I'm slowly trying to put things in place in my life which will help me abide with the Holy Spirit and help me be transformed into Jesus' likeness. And someone said to my brother recently, he said, the person you want to be in 10 years' time, why don't you become that person right now? 
And I found that really challenging. And it's a bit like a kind of rudder on a ship. You know, massive tankers, if, if they change their course by one degree, over the course of a day, you might not see that much of a difference. But over the course of a week, that ship is going to be in a totally different place to where it was originally headed. And it's like that with our lives. Things we put in place now, might not make, we might not think they make a difference in kind of a week, but actually over the course of a year, make a massive, massive difference. But there's, there's not really like a formula to this. There's no, you know, 10 steps or anything like that. But because our, all our relationships with Jesus are different, but there are things that we can put in place, like the spiritual disciplines, some people call them, spiritual practices, things like that. Um, for me, I, I've, I've put a few things in place which I personally just find really helpful. Things like I make sure I wake up um, 30 minutes before I have to, um, so that I spend good time um, with Jesus um, in the Word. I started a journal, so I write down the things that he's, he's doing in my life. Um, I, I try and have about 15 minutes in the middle of the day where I just switch off my phone and just close my eyes and just dwell with Jesus, um, just be with him. Uh, and my, I've, got, I've actually got a new watch now, so the Casio's binned now. Um, I've got a new watch. Uh, this one here, and it tells, me, um, it tells me that I do about 30 flights of stairs a day, um, which I don't really know why I need to know that. But actually, I, um, every time I go up a flight of stairs, I try, and, I try and say to myself, I try and say, Jesus, I love you. And for me, that just really helps me. 30 times a day, I know that I'm directing my attention back to Jesus. I find that really helpful. And then also, I try and just speak in tongues when I'm walking around, um, People probably think I'm just absolutely crazy and just speaking to myself. But, but yeah, um, the important thing is that we actually start where we're at. We start where we're at. And there's this amazing, there's this amazing monk um, called, called Brother Lawrence from the 17th century. And his one aim in life was to dwell with Jesus in the presence of God every single day. And he would be in the kitchens. That's pretty much what he did. And he would just be peeling potatoes all day long, and he would just be delighting with Jesus. He'd just be involving him in everything he did. And there's this amazing quote from his book that you can buy three pounds from, not Argos, I nearly said Argos, Amazon. Uh, yeah. And it, it's this amazing quote, which is, in order to form a habit of conversing with God continually and referring all we do to him, we must at first apply to him with some diligence. But after a little care, we should find that his love inwardly excites us to it without any difficulty. I don't know about you, but I find that really, I, I so yearn for that. I so want that in my life. A continual just thought with Jesus, letting him abide with me the whole time. So Jesus, he is, he is calling each one of us to be the real deal. He wants us to be disciples. He doesn't want converts. He wants apprentices. And in Jesus' day, it wasn't open to everyone. It was only open to the best of the best. But Jesus, he called underqualified fishermen and social outcasts. And that shows that actually the call of disciple is for every single one of us today. And the call is simply to come. It's to come and follow him, to come and be his apprentice, 
to come and abide with Jesus and with God the Father and with the Spirit in that community of love. Come and be filled with the Holy Spirit, giving you access to the mind of Christ, which actually enables you to speak into people's lives, to heal the sick and even greater things. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus and do what he did. And, but this is not going to happen overnight. Actually, we do need to put things in place, like Brother Lawrence, like that rudder. Put things in place now, which will lead to those three, those three things. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and eventually do what he did, and more. So I'm just going to ask everyone now, we're going to have a little, a little time. I really do believe every single one of us here can hear from Jesus. Um, I think a lot of us think we're just... It's our own mind, but actually that inner voice has always been Jesus. And I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes, and we're going to just ask Jesus, what little practices can we adopt this week in our lives which will enable us to be with Jesus, to become like him, to do what he did?